This week, the Lord's been really talking to me. There's 19 individual cases of healing that are in the Gospels, in the ministry of Jesus. Now, there's many, many examples where it says, and virtue or power went out of him and healed all their sick. And it talks about multitudes being healed. There's 19, and it seems like it's a lot more than that, but there's only 19 individual cases like the woman with the issue of blood, the man with the withered hand, right? There's individual cases, blind Bartimaeus, the healing of Jairus' daughter. These, and the reason why it seems like there's more than 19 is because many of them are in three of the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you know, back in, I believe it was about 2012, we did a, we did a study and we went through all 19 individual cases. As you go through that, and who knows, you know, I, I know we'll, we talk about it all the time. But, you know, this week I've just been, uh, just been stirred in my spirit to talk about uh, the blind man that was, that was healed at Bethsaida. And it's a, great, it's a great story. It's only found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. And it's only about four or five verses. But there is a couple principles that I believe is a word for right now. And... Um, but getting back to that, there, there's 19 individual cases in the ministry of Jesus. You can say this, you can look at the ministry of Jesus on the earth. To rightly divide the word, you can know the will of God for all men, for all time, by looking at the ministry of Jesus. So in, the, in relation to healing, if it wasn't God's will to heal all. If it wasn't, there would have to be, according to Bible, let in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, there'd have to be at least two to three examples where Jesus looked at an individual that came to him for healing and said, you know, um, it's not my will that you be healed in this life. You, you, this is just your cross to bear. And, and you know, uh, you're going to learn things about me through it. And, you know, it's, it's just like Paul's thorn, you know, all this nonsense. But you never see that, right? You never, now there's, not, there's not only, there's not three, there's not even two, uh, there's not even one. Every one of the 19 individual cases. So now, the, John said this, if, if everything that Jesus did in his three to three and a half year ministry on the earth. Everything, if it was all written, the world at the time could not contain the books. And God saw fit to showcase 19. So I can tell you this, everything that you'll ever face as you face in this life. See, the problem with us is when I got born again, my spirit was made brand new. My spirit can never be sick. It's eternal, right? The enemy can't touch my spirit. It has no spiritual death in it. It's spiritually alive, right? But I only got the first fruits of my salvation. I have to, in obedience to the word of God, I have a soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions. I have to make a choice to renew my mind, allow the word of God to renovate my mind because my mind is the control center. So I've got to do something with my soulish realm. I've got to renew my mind, right? Your mind isn't automatically renewed. Did you notice that? When you got born again, now you, you had the ability, as, as a child of God, I have the mind of Christ. So I, could, I can know him now. Why? Because my spirit man is alive on the inside and can gain revelation knowledge from the Holy Spirit that's in my heart. And then I communicate that to my mind. And that's how that process happens. And the word of God is the only thing that could bring salvation and wholeness to your mind. So as I plant the word in my heart, the Holy Spirit opens the word, etches it on my spirit. And then now I renew my mind. The other thing is this physical body. Did you notice when a person gets born again, your physical body doesn't change? Right? So the reason why is we only have what the Bible calls the first fruits of our inheritance. Now, we have the earnest of salvation. 
It's, it's the, like earnest money. The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of you. You're brand new. But someday, whether you go home to be with the Lord and depart from this earth or whether he comes back in the rapture, the glory of God is going to come over this body. I don't care if your body's been in the grave a thousand years. God's going to bring all the DNA, all, everything back, and then he's going to put his glory over it, and it will not be subject. It'll, it'll be literally not subject to sickness and disease. It'll be a glorified body, right? It'll never die. It's eternal. Have you noticed as you get older how you don't look at yourself as older? You almost, you know, when you get older, you kind of walk by a mirror and you look at yourself and you're like, that's not, that's not me right? But, and it, the reason why is because your spirit's eternal. When, but here's the cool thing. When we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, so like when, if, if we all went in the rapture right now, guess what? I'd look like I was about 25, 26, 27 years old. You'd be, you know, the first thing we're going to say to each other is, wow, you look good, yeah. right? <laughs> and because we're one, we'll know each other. We'll know each other. We'll be like, man, that's awesome, right? So, but because in this earth we have this body, have you noticed it still has the sin nature in it? It wants to pull you in crazy directions. It, want, it, it wants you to act crazy. And it, and it makes you think that that's normal, right? But it's subject to sickness and disease. So this is why God, I mean, literally, if you look, you know, we need to go there. Put up on the screen Exodus Chapter 15, verse 26. The first time that God reveals himself to the Old Testament, the Jewish people who just came out of Egypt, God just delivered them, which is a type of us getting saved and coming out of the world. They went through the Red Sea, which is a type, it says it right there, is a type of us, of water baptism. And now here they are, and the Lord... They're, they're complaining about water and then there's a tree thrown in to this water that is bitter and it's turned sweet, which is a type of Christ being sent and thrown into humanity. Whenever you see water, it either denotes a body of water or it denotes a sea of humanity. So it's a type. And it's in this place in verse 26. Exodus 15, verse 26. I want to read this to you. Hallelujah. Don't worry, we have some great notes. We're going to get to Barta, or, you know, the, the blind man in Bethsaida who's no longer blind. Right? In verse 26, look at what it says. It says, And said, If thou, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of of the Lord thy God. New Testament believer, if you will diligently hearken to the word of God. Right? That's the way we would say that. And will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments, New Testament, and will give ear to his word. Look at what it says. And keep all of his statutes. In other words, give ear to his word and keep his word. What is his law for us as a New Testament believer? It's the law of love, right? It encompasses everything. Jesus fulfilled it. It says, God says, if you'll do that, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. It says here, now Young's literal translation is written, Dr. Young was a Hebrew scholar. And, and so it's, when you read Young's literal translation, it, it's not written for you to, to make it easy for you to read it. He's trying to get it as literal as he can, which is a hard thing to do in English because Hebrew and English, it's, it's just hard to match up sometimes. But he said this, or, or the word of God says this. It says, and he saith, if thou... Dost really hearken to the voice of Jehovah thy God, and doth that which is right in his eyes, and hast hearkened to his commandments. Notice, hast. So this is an individual who's been doing this. And kept his statutes, none of the sicknesses which I laid 
on the Egyptians do I lay on thee? For I, Jehovah, now this is, you got to get this tense, am healing thee. See, God provided healing, he heals, and he'll always heal. And this, this, what's interesting about this word lay, though, it's a verb in the Hebrew language. So it's a little vague because there's two tenses of verbs in the Hebrew language. And Dr. Young, in his writings, brought this out. In the Old Testament, there's this verb. See, in English, it just says lay. So it seems like God is laying this on. You know, if you, if you, if you don't listen to me and do my word, I'm going to lay on you the diseases that I laid on Egypt, Right? <laughs> Well, if you look at the Bible, it's always anything happening that's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's always a result of man being rebellious, right? And you learn in the Old Testament that Adam and Eve gave up all the authority on the earth. So now God had to come and find a legal way to cut covenant. And when he cut covenant, now he is able to bless, and it's almost like in the Old Testament it was like an umbrella, and God's basically saying, if you stay under this umbrella, then this sickness, this disease that was laid on the Egyptians will not be laid on you. So you have to, though, understand the tenses. There's two Hebrew tenses. There's one tense that's causative, like God is laying this. That's not the tense of this verb. The tense of this verb is the other tense. It's, it's permissive. So you would read it, I will permit or allowed, allow to be laid on you that which I allowed to be laid on the Egyptians. So again, which fits perfectly with the sovereignty of God. Right? Because, see, here's, here's a big rule of sovereignty with God. God has to allow what you allow. So much teaching out there takes all the responsibility off you and I. We call it a no-fault religion. Hey, listen, if God wanted me healed, I'd be healed. If he wants me to be blessed, I'd be blessed. Well, that is not scriptural. There's a God side and there's a man side. Now in the Old Testament, it's all about these guys are not born again. They were never called children of God. They were called servants of God. They were not born again. So God says, if you'll do what I said, it gives me a legal right to make sure that what the sickness and disease that was laid on the Egyptians will not be laid on you. And you see that all through the Old Testament. When, when they would follow God, it was amazing how they would prosper, how they would be in health. Now, they would have all known this right here. Just a few days earlier, they came out of Egypt. They ate a Passover lamb, and every one of them were healed. The whole nation. They say anywhere from 2 to 7 million Jews. I think it was probably about 2 to 3 million. That's my opinion. You know, judging from how long, if they would have crossed the Red Sea in one night, you know, I, I don't know that that many could have crossed. But I don't know. I wasn't there. We'll find out someday, right? But they were all healed. Now, they were slaves. So there was peop there's people with missing body parts that it says they came out completely whole. There was not one feeble among them. No missing body parts, no pain, no sickness, no disease. So they've already experienced that. So now here they are at the waters of Merah, and God's saying this to them. Now, that, so in the Old Testament, the progression is, if I do what God says, then God can do what he says. It flips in the New Testament for you and I because we're children of God. It only talks about us as a servant of God as we serve. Like I'm a servant of God. I'm a, I'm a slave of God as a pastor because I'm in my service to you. But I'm his child in my relationship with him. So now 
I'm born again. I've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, which healing's part of that. So now, Satan is operating as an outlaw. He can attack my body. Now, I can open the door to that with... If, if I'm walking in sin and things like that, I could open the door. But in the ministry of Jesus, we saw sometimes when a person got healed, he'd say, okay, go and sin no more. So sin brought that on into his life. Other times, Jesus is like, oh no, it wasn't him who sinned or his parents. Right? So Satan could just attack you. But no matter what it is, we understand that all sickness and disease has a spiritual root. Oh, we could see tumors and we could see arthritis and different things, but what you can't see is the root of it. It's that spiritual root. Sickness and disease came on the scene at the fall of man. But here I am as a New Testament believer. Now, sickness and disease has to leave my body because of who I am in Christ. It's not based on my works. It's based on faith. Okay, so keep that in mind. So in this passage of scripture, go ahead and pull it up again. Because at the end of this verse, verse 26, it says, if you'll do what I say, I'm not going to allow any of these diseases to come on you that I allowed on the Egyptians. And then here's the first time after they came out of Egypt that God reveals himself to the children of Israel the first time he uses, he says, for I am, I am. That's the redemptive name of God. It, it literally in the Hebrew, it's for I am Jehovah Rapha. Amen. I am the God, not just who healed you, who heals you. I'm the God. I'm your healer. Now we go over and over in scripture and we see some things that God never changes. So he is still Jehovah Rapha to you today. If you have any symptoms in your body, they have no legal right for you as a child of God. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I've got great news for you. He's your healer too. And he'll heal your body because he loves you. Right? So let's keep going with this. We, we've got to keep looking at these scriptures. So powerful. I am the Lord that heals you. So run over to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is a great scripture. Hallelujah. Psalm 103, verse 1. It says this, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Verse 3, who healeth, how many? All, all of your diseases. All of them. Who does what? Keep going. Who, well, it starts out by saying, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. So how did he do that? Well, just jump over to Psalm 107. Psalm 107.20 gives us a great picture into how he did it. In, in Psalm 107, verse 20, it says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word. Reminds me of John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we know, because then it goes down, verse 14, and the word was made flesh, literally in the Greek, and the word took upon himself flesh. Jesus is the living word. God sent his word and healed you. It's already a done deal today. 
Sickness and disease have no right in your body. I don't care if it's a sniffly nose, don't put up with it. So this has been provided. So, so he sent his word and healed us. So now let's pull this into the New Testament. Go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, let's look at verse 38. Acts 10, 38. You guys know these scriptures. Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, in the Greek it says, even with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Isn't that awesome? See, Jesus came to this earth, laid all of his godly attributes on the shelf, and he operated as a man anointed by God. So what we're talking about is not only how you can receive your healing, but we're also teaching you how to minister healing, right? Because you're to do both. The Bible says if you believe in the name, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? Notice you're not doing the healing. He's doing the healing through you. Jesus was, is, and always will be the healer. And notice that God calls sickness and disease satanic oppression. All who were oppressed of the devil. If you've ever had any symptoms in your body that's causing your body not to work right, you know that is satanic oppression. You don't have to put up with it. Well, pastor, I don't have a disease. I, I just got injured. It's okay. It includes all of that. All of it. See, as you grow older on this earth, you are to run faster. When you finish your race, you should be, you, I mean, literally, if the Lord tarries, you're going faster. You're doing more for the kingdom of God, and then you depart. That's the way it's supposed to be. So we're going to have to believe God to keep our bodies strong. Right? But you're not to be in pain. And you're not to be sick. And you're not to spend thousands of dollars of your money on medical stuff. And every penny, why don't you do this? Every penny you've ever spent on it, get it, find that amount, and then say, okay, Satan, Proverbs 11.31, you've got to bring it all back. You've got to bring it all back while I'm in the earth because the righteous will be repaid in the earth. Could it be that easy, Right? So now let's keep going with this thought and then we'll get over in our notes. Go to Galatians chapter 3. I just have to get this out of my spirit. It'll be good for all of us, right? Galatians chapter 3. Hallelujah. So it gives us a clearer picture how Jesus came and what he's provided. Specifically now, because we're the church. This is, this is after he was raised from the dead. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Christ, the anointed one, hath, past tense, redeemed you and I from the curse of the law. This is not something that happened yesterday. It's something that happened. We know it happened while he was on the cross. He was made a curse for you. He bore all of your sin. He bore all of sick, all sickness, all disease, all poverty, all lack. You literally can't separate that because that's all salvation. He bore all of it. He was made a curse for you. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28 gives us a picture of the curse of the law. You know, really, it's threefold if you study it out. It's spiritual death, right? It's sickness and disease, and it's poverty and lack. Christ redeemed you from that. To be redeemed means he bought you out of it. Now, now redeemed is not just being bought out, and he puts you someplace else in the kingdom of God. So today, you're in the kingdom of God where sickness and disease has no legal right. Poverty and lack has no legal right. But remember, God has to allow what you allow. So if you won't believe that, right, 
And why won't you believe that? Because you're hearing wrong things. Do you know this message will build strength in you? It'll build faith in you. The Word of God does that. Do you know you could hear messages that will suck the faith right out of you? So you got to be careful what you hear. Very, very important. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? He was made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Oh, how Satan must have went, Oh, what have I done? Right? Because Christ, he, he literally bore it all. You know, we say this in, in Romans, it tells us that God once and for all condemned all of your sin in the body of Jesus. What could he possibly be upset at you about? Right? So why do we confess our sin? 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sinful and unrighteous, what? Behavior, not nature. To keep fellowship with him. Relationships never broken. But he wants us to keep fellowship. Keep access. See, this no-fault religion never works. A false doctrine will always put you in a passive position against Satan. If you think that God has provided healing for 99.9% of people in this room, there's no way you could have faith to be healed because how do you know you're not that one? Right? If you think that God has met everybody's needs in this room but one, there's nobody in here who could ever believe God to have their needs met. Because how do you know you're not the one? Does that make sense? So that's why God says, listen, I'm no respecter of persons. I never change. What I've done for one, I'll do for all. Whosoever will, let him come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hey, and by the way, if you knock, it'll be opened. If you seek with all your heart, you'll find, right? He is the God that answers those that diligently seek him. His word is life to those that find it and health to all their flesh. It's just that is truth. That is the ultimate reality. It's awesome, isn't it? So go to Matthew chapter 8. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. I believe it's in about verse 17. We'll look at the Holy Spirit's commentary on that great redemptive chapter in Isaiah 53. But in Matthew chapter 8, in verse 17, we'll start in verse 16. Here's Jesus... And it says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. He did that, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Now, don't get thrown by Isaiah. That's the Greek rendering of Isaiah. Like, I'm, my name's Tony. If you spell my name in English, it's T-O-N-Y. If you spell my name in German, it's T-O-N-I. So that's all this is. But this is spoken of the prophet Isaiah. And then it says, saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He's quoting Isaiah 53. Right? He bore, it says, in the, it says in the King James, he bore your griefs and carried your sorrows. But it's the Hebrew words koli and makab. Makab's always pain, koli's always sickness. And it, it matches right with here, right with the Holy Spirit's commentary. I think I'm going to side with him. So we see, again, Jesus himself bore it for you. So you don't have to bear it. You got it. See, preaching this it's like we if you've been around here you hear it all the time but because we live in such an option filled society and so with so much distractions believers are sitting here and they're hearing it but because they're so distracted they never get what they hear they agree with it right They'll agree with it, and I'm talking about our church, agree with it, but they don't meditate in it so that the Holy Spirit can open it, and now it starts renovating my thinking, and I know it to where I seize hold of it, and now I am no longer moved by how I'm feeling, 
I'm no longer up when I feel good or down when I feel bad. I'm healed. And, and I'm feeding my spirit and the word is keeping me strong and the grace of God is holding me, not me. So when I'm in pain, I can literally stand up and say, Father, I thank you that you sent your son and he carried away my pain. Now pain, you get out of my body in Jesus' name. Satan, you're defeated. I bind you. I cancel every assignment against my physical body. It is time for us to see the miracles in the church that we need to see. Why don't we see it? Because you're going to see in this story, it, you got to be in the right environment. You're going to see Jesus who literally, to get this man and help him receive his sight, he had to literally pull him out of the town where he met him. He had to get him out of the environment. If, if, if you're not laying hold of things, if you're walk with God, you know if there's something missing. The Holy Spirit's prompting you. He's not beating you up. He's not getting down on you. If you're doing that, you're either doing it to yourself or that's the enemy. He's always encouraging you. But you, you literally got to maybe get yourself, not maybe, you got to get yourself in the right environment. So if you look at this, if you go over to Hebrews, go over to Hebrews 13.8. Hebrews 13.8. I want to look at this and then we'll get into these notes here. You guys aren't doing anything this afternoon anyway, right? Technically, I didn't preach last Sunday. So I think that, you know, it's all legal. So I think, do I, I think I have a legal right to preach twice as long. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing. Although there's some, some of you that would probably want to stay. Look at what it says, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, and he's the same today, and he's the same forever. Isn't that amazing? You know, we were in Acts chapter 10. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Look at what Peter says about Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Don't you love the word of God? It's just life. Isn't it simple? It's simple. God loves you, and he provided what you need. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into it and guide you into it. He'll help you lay hold of it. It's amazing. All you got to do is be willing and obedient. So look at this. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. If God has healed one person and he's no respecter of persons, then he's provided healing for you. Isn't it amazing? You could live on this earth. You can get off all the medication. You can get to the point where you never have a surgical procedure. You can walk in divine health. And he'll lead you into it. This is good news. Boy, we thank God for doctors. We thank God for surgeons. So, so here's what we, we love doctors. We love surgeons. Man, we love them, right? And there's nothing wrong. I mean, we have a guy, right? Wayne just had back surgery. And he's here today. He wanted to come Wednesday, the day of his surgery. But he didn't get out of the hospital till 7 o'clock at night. I, are you kidding me? Right? Now, he's probably a little tougher than a normal human being, but he says the pain level supernaturally is low, but it didn't happen automatically. He's speaking over it. And he's got a support system of people that are texting him, telling him how healed he is. See, this is we, we get this stuff together. So, so get this right, though. Doctor, God does not work with doctors and surgeons and medicine. God doesn't work with them. They work with him. Right? Get that right. Just flip it. So if you're having a surgical procedure, great. If that's what the Lord's leading you to do, listen, you're still going to have to believe God to heal you. I mean, like Eric, you know, he drove a spike in a lady's leg, anchored it. You know, but guess what? When they sewed her up, guess what? She still has to be healed. Right? 
So I'm telling you, healing's provided. And if you'll build yourself in this, we can grow to a point where now we know how to believe God. But in the interim period, we're still going to grow. You go in a hospital, hey, you take medicine. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you for protecting my body from the adverse effects of it. And I thank you that I'm healed. I won't be taking this medicine very long. Right? Not, not the ridiculous denial game. Well, no, praise God, I'm not going to take medicine because I'm in faith. Right? And you see the fear all over their face. And you're like, man, you, you know how many people are in heaven? And when, and when they stepped out of their body because they died, Jesus is like, and they're like, yeah, I know. The first thing they all say is, wow, it was right there, and I just didn't lay hold. He's like, hey, don't worry about it. Let's go. We got, we got a plan for you in eternity. It's all good. There's no, there's no loss, but let's not leave the planet early. Amen? So that was the intro. You guys ready? Why don't you jump over to Mark chapter 8. I could sense that faith has been birthed in some people. Some people that have been putting up with some things are no longer going to put up with them. Jesus is your healer. Hallelujah. So this story, go to, go to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. This story is only found in the Gospel of Mark. It says, and he, talking about Jesus, comes to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Isn't that interesting? Could you imagine? You're out at Starbucks and God tells you, hey, I want you to minister to this person. And you're talking to them. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, can you lay hands on me? And you're like, yeah, come on, let's get in my car. I got to take you somewhere. It'd be a little different. Could you imagine? I remember one time uh, in our church, there was, there was something going on, healing line or whatever, and I left the sanctuary. And everybody's kind of like, where's he going? Well, God told me to go out in the lunch area because there was a guy out there that I needed to pray for. So everybody's kind of like, uh, pastor just left. This is what Jesus, could you imagine? All these people are wanting to hear Jesus. Well, when you learn about Bethsaida, they had already rejected Jesus. So there's a reason why he took him out of the town. When he spit on his eyes, that'd be nice, right? Hey, Jesus, uh, can you lay hands on our friend who's blind? Come on with me. It doesn't say he took them out of the town. It says he took him out of the town. Now, they must have been in faith because they brought him to Jesus. You see the faith in the blind man because he went with Jesus. But could you imagine? He takes him out of town. Bam! The guy's probably thinking, what, was he clearing his throat? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, boom, boom. And then he starts rubbing. Could you imagine that? Why in the world would Jesus do that? You know why? Because the Holy Spirit told him to do that. Now, if he, if he read the New Testament, he would be like, oh, I'm so thankful he didn't reach down and get some mud and rub it too, because that, you know? Why did he... Why did he only minister to one guy at the pool of Bethesda? See, you do these things as you're led by the Spirit of God. You know, Ramah student, who's still carnal, goes to Christ the Healer class and thinks, ooh, I'm going to go to St. Francis Hospital and empty it. And they end up having to kick him out because he's walking down the halls, just, you know, laying hands on everybody, pulling people out of wheelchairs. God didn't lead him to do that. Right? Gets arrested. Could you imagine? I'd like to tell you that hasn't happened, but it has. That's, uh, that, that's just stupidity way beyond, right? So this is why we're led by the Spirit. Jesus is, is walking. He's being led by the Spirit of God. And then he asked him if he saw. He says, it says, if he saw ought. Well, you're thinking, well, who in the heck is ought? No, no, it, that's, that's the English word for anything. So Jesus spits in his eye, rubs it around, and says, do you see anything? 
Now, immediately, if you have the thought about the whole thing that I had when I came into this deal, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, Jesus prayed for him. Why wouldn't he see perfectly? Right? And so look at what it says here. After that, he put his hands, or it says, uh, and then it says, and he looked up, verse 24. Actually, this Greek word looked up, it, it's, it literally in the Greek means, and he looked through. And he looked through and said, I see men as trees walking. So now, that kind of is the first time you see in this story that this guy hasn't always been blind. Because he, had a, he, he, knew, he knew what a tree looked like, he knew what a man looked like, but he's like, I'm seeing man, men as trees walking. Now this is a big thing. This guy has hands laid on him by Jesus and he doesn't receive the full healing. Well, how in the world is that possible? I'm so glad you asked that question because what you receive from God has everything to do with what you believe, not on his power. Does that make sense? The only reason we learn from Jesus, the only reason why he ministered to this guy is because his father was directing him to do it. So it was the will of God for this man to see perfectly when Jesus initially laid hands on him. He looked through and he could see, but I mean, it's pretty good if you're blind, you see something and you're like, wow, I'm, yeah, I'm seeing, but it's blurry. That's pretty good, but that's not the goal. So look at, what it, look at what it says here, verse 25. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look through again. It says look up, but it, it literally means to look through. And made him look through, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. So Jesus pulls him out of this town. He does not pray for him in this town. And then in verse 26, he sends him, and he sent him away to his house, saying, neither go, don't go back into this town, don't even tell what happened to you to anyone in this town. That's pretty intense, isn't it? Man, I put all these notes together. So let's get into this a little bit more. We see some interesting things. In Matthew or Mark 8:23, Jesus, we see in this story, Jesus took this man out of the town. Think about when Jesus is walking him out of the town, what is he doing? You see this in the ministry of Jesus all the time. He's helping him get in position to receive. He's helping him. Think of what he was probably saying to that. Do you think he was just walking with this guy, not saying anything? Right? He's getting this man used to hearing his voice, used to walking with him. Right? So he's, and, he, and he's removing him from this town. Jesus had a big problem with Bethsaida. And we're going to see that. We're going to see why. Jesus was helping this man to get in an environment where he could receive. I believe one of the main reasons why Christians are not receiving, and not just in healing, but in every way from God, is because the environment we're allowing ourselves to be in. We're literally, we're literally sitting in our living rooms, watching things and listening to things that we shouldn't. We're looking on the internet at things that we shouldn't. We're hanging around closely with people that we shouldn't. I mean, this is... This is a huge thing. I'm here to tell you. I'd love to tell you. Now, now, are we to be in the world? We're to win the world, so we got to be in the world. But boy, I'll tell you, you better be really careful who your close circle of friends are. And if they're people who are not walking with God, it means they've rejected God. And there's something about a person that rejects God, because see, Bethsaida had rejected Jesus' ministry. And he's like, because the one thing Jesus never did, do you ever notice this? He never proved his ministry. 
Jesus, do the miracles here and I'll believe you. His response, no sign will be given to you. His message, you believe, believe what I'm saying and you receive it, right? His message, but if you doubt it, you're gonna go without it. It's just the way it is. I mean, it's amazing. Jesus is walking on the water. His disciples are in the boat. He's walking past them until they said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, come in the boat. And he turns and he comes in. Here's Moses. He's, he's, tending, he's tending Jethro's flock. And he sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. And God doesn't say anything until Moses decides to leave the sheep and turn aside to see. And then God, when he saw him turn aside, then he spoke. Why is that in the Bible? Because God can't violate your will. And if you're in the wrong place and you're choosing, he'll woo you and try to get you out of that. But until you do, until you obey, there's nothing he can do because he'd have to violate your will to get it over to you and he can't do that. Right? See, see one of the big rules of the sovereignty of God in the earth today is your will will trump his will. If you don't believe me, has he ever, have you ever sinned? And all of a sudden, you're just about to sin, and man, this angel with a shining sword just appears and goes, if you say that, I'm cutting your head off. <laughs> no, right? No, it doesn't happen, right? The enemy drives you, the Lord always leads you. See, Jesus had to get this man out of his current environment to help him. There was too much doubt and unbelief. Miracles happen in a faith-charged environment, not a doubt-charged environment. We have crazy things happening in churches like people look at the pastor and say the reason why there's no miracles is because of you. When it clearly says that I am to teach you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ is built up and edified. I got to tell you, what excites me is the hunger level and the faith level in our church is growing. And you're going to see all of a sudden things are just going to start happening in greater measure. There's some cool things happening. But, but greater measure, you're going to see it. We're seeing some supernatural recoveries. We're seeing some great things. And we need to do a better job. You guys need to do a better job at emailing the church your testimony. And we'll do a better job at bringing these testimonies out. Because the word testimony means do it again, Lord. It seems like the more you testify of what God's doing, the more he does. So we want that. Look at what it says, and I'll just go a little quicker here because we're kind of closing, coming down, the, coming down the road here. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 20 and 21, it talks about a couple cities. Matthew eleven twenty. I'm just going to read it. You could look up on the board, just write it in your notes. It says, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Because they repented not. If he says, Woe unto thee, Cherazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. So he uses two examples. Yes, actually, there's more. Capernaum was another one. He did, he did the most mighty works in Capernaum, but they didn't repent. They, did, they rejected his ministry. In Bethsaida, he did great mighty works, and they rejected it. So now, here he is, and, 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 a, and a blind man's brought up to him, and this is the way Jesus is. They rejected me. I can't violate their will. So come on, blind guy, i got to get you out of here. Because they rejected my ministry, so that's okay. I'm just going to take you out of this town. You're going to get healed, and then I'm going to tell you, don't even go back into that town, and don't even tell them what you, what, in that town what, what happened to you. Ooh. That's Bible. It seems like God has a big problem when people do not believe him. Right? Think about your life. There's been times, man, 
where I know what the word says, but because I'm looking at other things, I just don't believe it. And I know, now I could play the game and say I believe it, but you could tell what you believe because what are you acting on? What are you saying? Now, does God, does God beat you up? Is he going to reject you? No, no, no. You're his child. You're his child. But what do we learn from this? Listen, some people will go into an environment of their old friends and try to win them to Christ. They want nothing to do with it, and they'll hang with them and hang with them and hang with them. And 100% of the time in the last 40 years of my life and walk with God, every time, they win the Christian to the world. Every time. All of a sudden, the Christian's in places he shouldn't be, doing things he shouldn't do, and it cuts him off from the plan of God for his life until he makes a decision. The minute he turns back to God, God, he's got it. He'll come and, and he'll start helping you put the thing back together. He'll fix the mess. But you could sit in Faith Family Church your whole life and miss God's whole plan for your life if you choose not to believe it. Some people cannot get past the emotion of I'm hurt and I'm mad at God and I just am hurt. And God's up there feeling their pain and, and, and literally feels and wants to help them, but can't. Because they won't get in his word, they won't meditate in it, they won't put it first, they won't give it their undivided attention, they want to do their own thing. There are people literally, that go from year to year in financial problems and lack, year after year after year, but they will not honor God in their finances and believe what he says, so God literally can't bless them. And you have people that are supernaturally not prospering. It's amazing. You make $1,000 a week. Well, the tithe on that is $100. And we hold on to that $100. And if you could see the spreadsheet over 20 years, it costs you so much more. You'll lose it in medical bills and this breaking down. And why? Because the enemy's out there. You can't get away from the spirit of poverty and lack. The best thing you can do, see, some people will still, they'll make money, and here's the ultimate thing. They live on this earth with all this money, but maybe, see, all roads with the enemy lose. All of it goes to death. So you, you have the house, you have the car, and then you get divorced. Or you have this or that, and then sickness comes in and takes some things out. you got to be careful, and we don't have to put up with anything. Here's the good news. If that was you, rejoice because there's always restoration for you. God, I mean, if you've went through a divorce, you know how horrible that is. God has a future for you. If you've went through bankruptcy or financial ruin, listen, God will he'll fix it all. But you're going to have to make a decision to get in the right environment. Right? It doesn't matter what you have done. God has all, he, it doesn't catch him off guard, and he'll fix it if you get yourself in the right environment. It says here, Woe unto you, Chorazin, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago. See, Jesus wrought more miracles in Capernaum than in any other place. However, Capernaum rejected his ministry. Jesus never did, if you look at his life, if you do an aerial view of his ministry, he never did another miracle in Bethsaida. Never. Jesus told his disciples, don't you even go to Bethsaida. They rejected the ministry of Jesus, so Jesus rejected them. Did he want to? No. Because he's love. But he can't, God does not kick down the door of a person's life and make them. Satan does that. Right? Jesus, powerful, powerful. Look at what it says, and you don't have to turn here. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, the Great Commission. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world. Now he's talking to you and I. 
preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because we know it's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But look at 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. A lot of people sit there and go, well, I'd never, I, I'd never serve a God that would send people to hell. No, no, he doesn't send them. He, res, he, he honors their decision to go there. And oh, how he doesn't want them to go there. Even so much so that at the great white throne judgment, after the millennium period, when he's going to make a new heaven and new earth, all the people who never accepted Jesus will stand before a white throne judgment and he who is love will sit in the seat of who he is. He's the ultimate judge. And all the books will be opened and they will be judged for every sin that Jesus paid for for their life. But God, who is all-knowing, loves that person so much, he's like, open the book of life up. I know I'm all-knowing. I, I know their name. They started out there, but their name was blotted out when they died and they rejected me. But open the book one more time and check it, just to make sure, because I really don't want them to go into eternal damnation. You see the love of God in everything. It's amazing. Unbelief hinders the ministry of Jesus. Corporate unbelief hinders the ministry of Jesus. Getting rid of distractions always helps a person to receive. See, we receive from God based on our faith, not based on what he's provided. He provided complete sight for this man. He received partially, but then Jesus kept working with him. Jesus helped him. It's not up to what God can do. It's up to what you will believe him for, right? And this is the cool thing. If Jesus helped this blind guy who wasn't even his child, you don't think he'll help you lay hold of your healing? He'll help you lay hold of everything. And we need help. This is why you have, who's he called? He's the helper. He's on the inside of you. And when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will always ensure that you are in the right place at the right time. Have you ever heard me say this? Doing the right thing with the right heart. Always. Always. Hebrews 4.14 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession or let us hold fast to our confession. What is it in relation to healing? By his stripes, I'm healed. He redeemed me from the curse of sickness and disease. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful that promised. Wow. See, a strong corporate faith creates an environment for miracles. And get ready, because we are living in the season of the greatest miracles that, that the church has ever seen in its short history. I love it. Jesus told this man, I don't want you to go back into an environment of doubt and unbelief or even associate with people of doubt and unbelief. If you are believing God, be really careful. If you're believing God, let's say you were diagnosed with something, I want to encourage you, be very careful and allow the Holy Spirit to share with you who you share that with. Because the last thing you need to do is have 20 people coming up to you, even in church, how do you feel? Is your side hurting again? Or they look at you and go, oh, I see your side's hurting. Can I pray for you? You don't need that. When you see somebody hurting, you walk up to them and say, isn't it awesome that he bore your sickness and carried your pain? You do that to the person and you'll see that Christian. They'll be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, because they believe it. Right. See, we, our, our speech is to always be with grace, seasoned with salt, 
so that we know how to answer every man. Our words are to build up and encourage, never tear down. Jesus told him, don't go back into this environment. Don't associate with people that are going to cause you to doubt. Guys, I'm here to tell you, God's word is true. This is real. You know, your life, you're not going to get up tomorrow and go to work for very much longer. Jesus is coming back. This is the short, life as we know it, it I'm telling you, our life is a lot more than this life. But this life is the dress rehearsal. This life dictates a lot what we do in eternity. And God wants, he wants to show himself strong on your behalf. So be encouraged. God's a God that will open the door that no man can shut. I don't care if you've been believing God for 10 years for something. You stick and you hang on to that and you speak the word of God and you see if God won't bring it to pass because he's watching over his word to perform it. This is true. It's real. We have the word of God on it and I'll bet my life on it because he is my life. Amen.